0: Hello, thanks for joining us today on the Faith Alive Christian Fellowship Podcast. May God bless, keep, and equip you with today's message. Welcome everyone that's joining us today. Um, I'd like to start in Romans chapter 12, um, beginning at verse one, and most of the scriptures I'm reading today are from the Amplified Version. So it says, uh, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and in the King James it says, I beseech you, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, (laughs) fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Um, we're, we're going to dissect this portion of Scripture a little bit. Uh, the word "I appeal to you," or "I beseech you," it means to call near. to invite, <laughs> to entreat. So the invitation is there to present our bodies as a living sacrifice while there's life in us. And I wanna read you, um, it's out of a, a Greek word studies book, a little bit on this, this word that means um, beseech or I appeal to you. I found this interesting. That word described what military commanders did before they sent their troops into battle. After summoning the troops together, their commander would beseech or exhort them as he warned them of the realities of warfare. The commander would describe in detail what they were going to face in their battle And then he'd urge them to keep on fighting bravely until the victory was won. All of this is included in that word. I beseech you, brethren. Paul was urging believers to dedicate their bodies to God. Paul knew that when a believer makes the decision to dedicate his body to God, the carnal nature or the flesh may respond by going to war against the spirit. And if there's time today, we'll look at a couple of scriptures that speak about that. The flesh just doesn't want to submit to the law of God or to do what God wishes. The flesh is at enmity against the spirit. So when Paul besought his readers to yield their bodies to God, He was also warning them that such an action might stir up a battle in the flesh. The carnal nature has long been the driving force for what's done with our body. Therefore, it will most likely rebel when it's told to submit to God's control. This is why anyone who decides to present and dedicate his body to God must be ready and willing to fight the battle with the flesh until victory is achieved. We're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. (laughs) When I see that word sacrifice, there's a price to be paid with sacrifice. In the Old Testament, an animal sacrifice would be offered upon the altar. Because the animal was dead, it could only be presented to the Lord once as a sacrificial offering. In the New Testament, we are urged to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. This implies that we must live in a continual state of surrender and consecration. Our commitment may begin with a momentous once and for all decision but it must be followed with a daily decision to keep on surrendering ourselves to the Lord. We must see every day of our lives as another day, another opportunity to yield our lives to God. And we all have that opportunity. Each new day necessitates new surrender and consecration. What you surrendered to God yesterday is already old. Today's a new day and it demands a new and higher level of consecration. It's an ongoing sacrifice. (laughs) I want to share with you, um, years ago I had seen this, National Geographic had it on, I think it was online when I saw it years ago. And I looked it up again. See, there's also, it's not only our flesh we battle with. This world system is trying to program and conform the church like never before. And it's very subtle how that works. And I wanna give you a a demonstration of that, a study that was done. So here's the setting. There's seven or eight people in a waiting room at the optometrist's office. All those people have been planted there. They are aware of the hidden camera experiment on social conformity. A young lady came in for her appointment. She didn't know anything about this. She checked in and then she sat down and she was reading a magazine. A bell dinged in the waiting room. Everyone except her stood up and then they sat down. Put yourself in this. A short time later, ding, everyone except the young lady stood up again. She was reading her magazine, and this time she's kind of like this, peeking around the room. Short time later, ding, this time she stood up with all the other people, and she sat down when they sat down. This went on for quite a long time with the bell dinging every so often, everyone standing up, everyone sitting down. Then gradually they called the the planted people that had been stationed in there to their pretend appointments and the waiting room emptied out. Eventually this young lady was the only one in the waiting room. Ding! She stood up. And then she sat down. A new person came in, unaware of this study. When the bell dinged, the young lady stood up, and then she sat down. And the the new person, it was a guy, he kind of looked. Again, the bell dinged, and she stood up. The man next to her asked her why she was standing up. She said she thought she was supposed to because everyone else was doing it. More new people came in unaware. All of them conformed to standing up when the bell rang. There was one middle-aged fellow sitting there and partway through, he was like this, he hadn't stood up yet. Everyone around him standing up and he's got this sour look on his face. And I thought, yes, don't stand up. But, ding, he joined the crowd and he stood up as well. Isn't that something? Pressure to conform, pressure to fit in, pressure to go with the crowd. After the experiment was completed, the young lady was questioned. She said, well, I felt like I needed to join them, otherwise I would feel excluded. Peer pressure, huge in our world today. I wanna look at an example in the Old Testament. It's in Daniel three, the story of the fiery furnace. See, there was pressure way back then to conform as well. Nebuchadnezzar the king caused to be made an image of gold. It was 90 feet high and nine feet wide, huge. He set it up on the plain in the province of Babylon. Babylon is uh, one of the world's systems, Babylon. The king sent to gather the satraps, princes, the deputies, the governors, the judges, Steve stargazers, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and lawyers, and all the chief officials of the provinces, all those in authority, all the higher ups, to come to the dedication of the image. So everybody gathered together for the dedication of this. And they stood before the image that the king had set up. Then the herald cried out, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, and listen to this, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, dulcimer, or bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image. Ding! Whoever does not fall down and worship shall that very hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. When all the people that were gathered heard that sound, they fell down and worshiped the golden image. At that time, certain men brought malicious accusations against the Jews. O king, live forever! You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of all those things shall fall down and worship the golden image, and whoever doesn't fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a fiery furnace. There's certain Jews that you've appointed and set over the affairs of the province here, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury commanded them to be brought to him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image I've set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound Fall down and worship the image which I have made. That'd be very good. But if you don't worship, you shall be cast at once into the midst of a fiery burning furnace. The three answered him, it's not necessary for us to answer you on this point, O king. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. If not, let it be known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and his facial expression was changed to antagonism against those three. When you don't yield to the world system, might get some dirty looks. Therefore, he commanded that the furnace should be heated seven times hotter than it was usually heated. He's gonna show them. He commanded the strongest men in his army to bind them and to cast them into that furnace. And they were bound and they were cast into the midst of the furnace. Because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame and sparks from the fire killed those strong men who were handling them. And these three men fell down bound into the furnace. Then the king saw and was astounded. Hello. And he jumped up and said to his counselors, didn't we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered, true, O king. He he answered, behold, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. This would be a good hallelujah time. (laughs) And the form of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And all those, they all gathered around and saw these men that the fire had no power upon their bodies, nor was the hair of their head singed, neither were their garments scorched or changed in color or condition nor did they even have the smell of smoke clinging to them. That's our God. Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who believed in, trusted in, and relied on him. And that's where we need to be in this day, day and age. Believing in trusting in and relying upon the Lord our God. (laughs) And they set aside the king's command and yielded their bodies rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. I make a decree, here's a new decree from the king, that any people, nation, and language that speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses be made a dunghill, for there is no other God who can deliver in this way. There is no other God in this day and age who can deliver in this way except our God. The decree was changed and it just goes to show us, it doesn't matter what decrees and laws have been established in our land, that are in opposition to the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the church that's here on earth, they can be changed. They can be changed and we can be protected in the midst of the persecution that comes against us for standing strong for our God <laughs> and offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I've also got um, the, the lion's den story because of time. We're not going to look at that one today, but I encourage you to read it. Uh, in Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 1, read that through in your own time. Yet again, God protects his own who, who stand for righteousness, who stand for him. All right. In the Good News Bible, I'd like to read that Romans 12 passage. So then my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. But let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to Him and is perfect. To transform, that word means to metamorph, Metamorphos. Metamorphosis. In the vines, uh, a description of transform is to undergo a complete change which under the power of God will find expression in character and conduct. As we undergo that complete change, as we are transformed, it it will be expressed in our conduct and our character. We ought to stand out We should never fit in with the world's ways of doing things. And there's a call today (laughs) not to fit in anymore. Character and conduct, it does matter. There's pressure to conform, to compromise in these areas of our lives like never before, follow the crowd. And it's way easier to follow the crowd, by the way. It's way easier, because you'll be accepted by the crowd when you follow the crowd. When you stand for God, you might face some uh, opposition And I'll also say God will give you the grace and the strength to stand in the midst of that. And he will bring us through and we'll experience victory. Metamorphosis, caterpillar to a butterfly, a tadpole to a frog. I wanna look at one, coal to diamonds. During the formation of diamonds, coal undergoes a metamorphic process. Extreme heat and pressure cause it to transform. Heat and pressure. It's a process. Rarely is it instant. It's never instant in the coal to diamonds. I was thinking for us, it's a process as well. And it's pretty rare that it happens overnight. <laughs> if you've experienced it, I'd like to hear your story. <laughs> so let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Pressure. It says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction. And many are those who are entering through it. And I just want to say wide is the gate that the world has to offer. Broad is the way. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life and few are those who find it. Heat and pressure, coal to diamonds. We all ought to shine for him. No matter how we're looked at, there's a reflection of him. All right, for the sake of time, let's look Let's look at a New Testament example. Uh, Peter and John in Acts chapter four. And while Peter and John were talking to the people, the high priests and the military commander of the temple And and the Sadducees came upon them, being vexed and indignant through and through, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming, in the case of Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. How dare they? So they laid hands on them and arrested them and put them in prison until the following day. Get this, verse 4, Acts 4, 4. But many of those who heard the message believed. They adhered to and trusted in and relied on Jesus as the Christ. And their number grew and came to about 5,000. So, in the midst of being told that we can't say this and we can't say that and we can't do this and we can't do that, as we're faithful and we offer our lives (laughs) as a living sacrifice to our God. The numbers will grow and more will come in because nothing can stop the harvest. The fields are white unto harvest. And there's nothing that this world system can concoct or come up with that will stop what God is doing and is going to do. Our God reigns. Okay, so the next day all these people against them, they set them in their midst, the troublemakers in their midst and repeatedly demanded, by what sort of power or by what kind of authority did such people as you do this healing? They're talking about the lame beggar that got healed in chapter three. Somebody got healed. Sound the alarm. Then Peter, because he was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit, hello, said to them, and he said a few things, if we're being put on trial here today and examined concerning a good deed done to benefit a feeble cripple, by what means this man has been restored to health, let it be known and understood by all of you and by the whole house of Israel, that in the name and through the power and authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, in him and by means of him, this man is standing here before you well and sound in body. This, Jesus, is a stone which was despised and rejected by you, the builders, but which has become the head of the corner, the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in and through no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by and in which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness, when they saw the boldness, and unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools of the common men, they marveled and they recognized that they had been with Jesus when they saw the boldness. Be bold and be strong, banish fear and doubt, Since they saw the man who had been healed standing there, they couldn't contradict the fact or anything to do with that. So they ordered the prisoners to go outside and they had another debate among themselves. What are we to do with these men? An extraordinary miracle has been performed through them. It's plain to all the residents of Jerusalem and we can't deny it. In order that it may not spread further among the people, Heaven forbid that miracles spread. Word about miracles and good things that God is doing spread throughout the land. Let us warn and forbid them with a stern threat not to speak any more to anyone in this name or about this person. Bring it. (laughs) I want to say bring it. So they summoned them and instructed them not to converse in any way or teach at all, In or about the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied to them whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you and obey you rather than God, you must decide. But we ourselves cannot help telling what we have seen and heard. And we ought to be in that frame of mind ourselves. We can't help but tell (laughs) the good news. We can't help but tell that our God heals, our God saves, our God delivers. When the rulers and council members had further threatened them, they let them go. Now watch what they did. After they were permitted to go, they returned to their own company and told all that had just happened. We must have a company. a company of believers, a local church where we are under the covering of the government of the local church, where we have brothers and sisters who love us and are in unity with us, who will be there for us. So they reported everything that had just happened And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together with one united mind to God and said, O sovereign Lord, you are he who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that's in. And there's a bit more. Um, I'm just going to wind this down. Verse 29, Acts 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, observe their threats and grant to your bondservants full freedom to declare your message fearlessly. Let that be our prayer today. (laughs) Lord, grant us full freedom to declare your message fearlessly while you stretch out your hand to cure and to perform signs and wonders through the authority and by the name, by the power of the name of your holy child and servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, (laughs) the place in which they were assembled was shaken. There's some shakings coming up. (laughs) And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. So on that note, I will hand this back to Pastor Mitch. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the online portion of this week's message, but we'd love to connect with you in person. Our services are held weekly at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, upstairs at 3771 Broadway Avenue, Smithers, B.C. If you're on the go and you'd like to participate in tithes and offerings, you can e-transfer them to facfsmithers at citywest.ca. Till next time, God bless and keep you from all of us here at Faith Alive Christian Fellowship.